Let me just introduce what, here you go. This is actually a very short mimer, even though it looks along with the English and the explanations. I wasn't able to find a copy with that, also the Nikodot and also the English, so I stuck with having the English for now, that those can follow along in English. Um, and this is from, what's the website called now? Now I'm not remembering the name, I can check right afterwards. It's got all the mimarm of the... That's, this is actually a mimer of the Rebbe. So it's from a different website called Simply Chassidus. Simplychassidus.com. They have a lot of mimer with English from the seventh Lubavitch Rebbe. So we're going to be learning this is a mimer from the Rebbe. It's short. Um, what I decided to do, there is some, there are some concepts in here that are pretty lofty that would take some time to explain, but they're very foundational. So what I just decided that we're gonna do, we'll go through the whole mimer without expounding on these concepts, and then when we finish, we're gonna go back to the one or two concepts and expound on them, just so that we can still get the flow of the mimer, and also because this is a mimer on Parshas Boratius, where we're holding now, so it would be helpful to, to be able to finish it this week. Before we go inside, I just wanted to share a, a marshal that the Baal Shem Tov, um, gives just it's something that sits with me during this time so I'll share it that there was once uh, there was once a king who was who had his kingdom and he ruled everything perfectly everything was going so well he's such a good king that he got bored because everything was just so smooth and so he decided that he wants to shake things up and so he called in his favorite top minister and he called in his son and he said to his minister, I'm giving you 90% of the kingdom, 90% of the resources, of the influence, of the power, of the land. 90% is going to you. Go and let's see how you do with running it. And then he called his son in and he said, I'm giving you 10% of the land, which is very, very small. It's very limited resources. And this is what you are going to be in charge of running. And then he said to his son, however, you have something that I'm not giving to the minister. You are able to come to me at any point and consult with me about how to rule the kingdom and any questions that you may have, you have my help. And what ended up happening was that the minister, he had a huge, vast kingdom that was working beautifully and he ended up just making a few mistakes and using up all of the resources that he had over the years until he was left with absolutely nothing. And the son, even though he had been given such a tiny land because he was able to constantly go to his father and get advice on how to run it and how to utilize the resources, he was able to just keep going and keep going. And the Baal Shem Tov explains that this is a mashal for what we call holiness, kedusha, and klipa. Klipa it looks very, very big. It looks scary. It looks powerful. But it doesn't have anything backing behind it. What it has is what it is. And so the moment it goes down, there's nothing that it can add to itself. It's basically just from the moment it's created, it's already started to die. As opposed to the Jewish people, to Kedusha, to holiness, we're small and we are less powerful. And yet we have Hashem on our side. We have our Father, we have Hashem on our side. And so we never disappear. And we've seen that throughout all of the generations. Um, so just, I always keep that, mashallah in mind where we are small yes but we have Hashem on our side so we're the most powerful of all and again the learning today should be the to all of the soldiers especially all the soldiers that we know here on the board we can read their names we have them here and um, just for uh, for the soldiers and for all of Am Yisrael we should have very very good news and we should have Mashiach and so now to this mimer 
the Semimer was said in 1977. Okay, so it's about 45 years ago, around, something like that, just over 40 years ago. And it was said in the year that the Rebbe had a heart attack on Shmini Atzeret. So on the first, in, as we've, we've been discussing, in, out of Israel, there's two days, Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah. On the first day, the Rebbe had, um, had a heart attack. So he was in his room and he gave over this mimer on Motzah Shmini Atzeret over the loudspeakers right after it was over. And this is a mimer on Parshat Bereshit. We're reading Parshat Bereshit this coming week, right? We are reading it this upcoming Shabbos. We're going to read Bereshit, which is the first Parsha of the Torah. And it's a mimer on the first Rashi of Parsha Bereshit. Rashi, we know, has the simple commentary on the Torah. And he asks a very, very basic, simple question. The Torah starts off with the recounting of the story of creation. And Rashi asks a question that's brought from the Gemara, which is, why did the Torah start with the account of creation? When we think about what the Torah stands for, what, what is the Torah? Like, what is the purpose of the Torah? What do you guys think? This is bringing me back to when I had Kayla in class. <laughs> what is the purpose of the Torah? What, what, what is it there for? To, like, for us to understand how to view our lives. It's not a history. Like, exactly. You said both things in, in, in the same time. It's not a history book, right? And it is there to teach us how to live our lives day to day. So the question then becomes, why did the Torah start off with a recounting of creation? That's basically starting it off by saying, here is the history of the world. The Torah is not about history. Rather, the Torah is there to teach us how to live. So we would think that the Torah would start off with the first mitzvah and that it would go in order of all the mitzvahs. This is the first mitzvah that God gave us. This is the second mitzvah that God gave us. And that, that would be the order of the Torah. But that's not the case. And so Rashi has, there's a very, very interesting Rashi that we're going to learn. And then the, the Rebbe basically takes this Rashi and gives it to us from a very esoteric, deeper place so we can understand why the Torah starts off with Bereshis. So let's read inside first the Rashi, okay? You might be familiar with this. It's a very famous one. Page three inside. So the Rebbe said this mimer on the night following Shabbos Bereshis in 1977. Due to the heart attack that the Rebbe had suffered on the night of Shmini Atzeres, the mimer was set in the Rebbe's room and the Hasidim listened to the mimer over loudspeakers. This translation marks 40 years since the original delivery of this mimer. So inside, Bereshit bara Elokim et HaShamayim ve'et Eretz, the first verse of the Torah, that God created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Amru Razara, our sages have said, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Lo hayat We should have started and began the Torah, from the commandment to count the months. The first mitzvah that the Jewish people ever got as a nation was as they left Egypt, Rosh Chodesh. Ha-chodesh this month should be for you, that you should count the months by the moon. That's the first mitzvah. And therefore, the Torah should have started off with the first mitzvah and then gone in order of the mitzvahs that we got. Umatam, what is the reason that Hashem starts the Torah off with the recounting of creation? And now he answers. In order that he should tell the people the power of his actions, that the nations should know God's power, that he is the one who created the world. So that God could give to us the portion of the nations 
שאם יאמרו אומת העולם, that if the nations of the world will say, לישראל to the Jewish people, ליסטים אתם, you are thieves, שכבשתם ארצות שבע גויים, because you conquered the land of the seven nations, which is the land of Israel, הם אומרים להם, the Jewish people will then be able to answer to these people, to the nations, כל הארץ של הקודש ברוך הוא היא. The entire world belongs to Hashem. Hu barav natna, God created it and He gave it la'asher yashar beinav to whoever was deserving in His eyes. Biratzono natna lahem with God's desire, He gave the land of Israel to the seven nations. Obiratzono natla mehem, and it was His desire then to take it away from them, the natna lanu, and to give it to us. So this is the first Rashi. And Rashi's, uh, Rashi quotes this Gemara, and he explains this question, and he explains the answer, that the reason why God created, started off the entire recounting of the Torah with the story of creation, is so that when the, when the non-Jews come to the Jewish people and say, you stole the land from the nations, then they have an answer, and they say, the land never belonged to them in the first place. The land belongs to God. Look, God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Everything belongs to God. He decided to give it to them and then he decided to take it away. And one of the big questions we're going to have to be addressing here, but we're going to be talking about it from a more spiritual level is, why did God give first the land to other nations and then have us conquer it? It's a big question that Hasidus deals with, that a lot of places deal with. If... God designated the land of Israel for the Jewish people. Why not just give us the land of Israel? Why give it to somebody else and then take it away from them and say that now we have to fight for it and get it back? And so our answer to that is yes, it did belong to the seven nations. God did give it to them. That's where God put them. And yet then God decided to give it to us. So we're going to try and understand here. The Mimer is going to explain what does HaChodesh HaZelachem represent? What does... The idea of starting off the Torah with the mitzvahs represent on a spiritual level. And what does what does starting off the Torah with the accounting of creation represent on a spiritual level? So that we can understand what's our avoda, what does the Torah truly represent? And the reason why the accounting of creation truly represents what the Torah represents. So first we're going to have to understand what does HaChodesh HaZelachem represent? What does this idea of, well, maybe the Torah should have started off with HaChodesh HaZelachem. Maybe the Torah should have started off with the first mitzvah. What does that represent? And so again, we're going to be touching on some subjects here. Some we actually did touch on when we were learning about Elul and some that we haven't. We're not going to expound on these ideas too much right now so we can really get the point and the message that the Rebbe is delivering here. And then when we finish next week, please God, we're going to go back to the one or two big concepts that are discussed here and expound on them and truly understand them like to their depth, okay? I, usually I do it in the middle, but here it's also it's a short mimer. There's a very, very poignant point that um, I think we should get across without kind of losing track, okay? Page four. So the Rebbe explains the deeper meaning of the suggestion that the Torah should have started with HaChodesh HaZelachem. Okay. By the way, you, if you want, you can give it to us. If you want. No, we don't want to. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, okay, enjoy. Enjoy. You want to build something out of the Play-Doh? No? Okay, you're sitting very nicely. So now we're on page four. Umavor so this has been explained, from the teachings of our previous Rabbeim, of the previous Chabad Rabbeim. What does Hachodesh Hazeh Lachem represent? 
וזה מה שהיה צריך להתחיל את התורה, that we should have started off the Torah מהחודש הזה לכם, the reason why there is a claim, there is a thought, that maybe the Torah should have started off with the חודש הזה לכם, כי עניין החודש הזה because the idea, the spiritual message and representation behind החודש הזה is, ייחוד סובב וממלא, to unite סובב קולומן and ממלא קולומן. So we already learned before Rosh Hashanah, I know it was a while ago, about Sov of Kalaman and Mamale Kalaman, that Mamale Kalaman is the light, the force and the power that God uses and invests in creation in an individualized, limited way. And Sov of Kalaman is the all-encompassing light of God that gives equally to everything. It's an infinite light that brings the world into being. And so the whole point, HaChodesh HaZelechem represents, and mitzvahs... Do you want to go give it to her? I know, it's just... <laughs> When I hear her cry, it's like, my brain turns off. Bye, sweetie. I just started sleep training, so last night was just her crying. It was lots of fun. So, yeah, lots of fun. Thank you. Okay, so we discussed that teshuva, before Rosh Hashanah, we discussed that teshuva on a spiritual level is the idea of uniting Sovav Mamali and of bringing down the infinite levels of God down into the finite, limited, natural world and of being able to hold those two things together as one. And the truth is that teshuva is actually considered a, a foundational mitzvah. There's a few mitzvahs that are considered foundational mitzvahs, bless you. Like tzedakah, for example, and teshuva. They're not something that we do five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. It's, it's something that we do all the time. There isn't a measure for it. And it represents the truth of what the mitzvah stand for. And what the mitzvah stand for, what HaChodesh HaZelachem, which is the first mitzvah, represents, is this idea of uniting the sovav and the mamala, uniting the natural reality with the infinite, um, with the infinite light. And the, the, so now it's gonna explain why that is. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Ki chodesh hu malchus. Because Chodesh represents Malchus. Malchus is the lowest Sephira, which represents Mamale Kolomen, as we discussed in previous classes. It's the beginning of the individualized, tailored light that's given in a limited way to the world. The reason that is, is because there's a verse in the Torah that says, Chodesh Ishto. Chodesh was his wife. The name of his wife was Chodesh. So Chodesh means a month, and Ishto, his wife, the feminine, the wife, represents Malchus. So Chodesh represents Malchus. Bechinas mamalikol amen. So HaChodesh Hazeh is the first mitzvah. Chodesh represents Malchus, represents mamalikol amen. Vezehu inyan giloi. Chodesh Hazeh, the word Zeh represents revelation. Yesod vezeh anpin, which represents the higher sefirot, which represents sovav kolomen. Yichud Sovav Kalaman Vamamala Kalaman, which unites together Sovav Kalaman and Mamala Kalaman. So this idea we will elaborate on a little bit later, even though we have already discussed this idea in different contexts. But what you need to know is that it's beautiful. You got, you're going to let mommy talk now, okay? Because I'm teaching now. We're talking about Sovav and Mamala, okay? Because you play with your Play-Doh, okay? What are you talking about? Okay. So... When we say HaChodesh HaZelechem, HaChodesh HaZelechem represents the uniting together of Sovev and Mamale. Chodesh represents Malchus, represents Mamale Kolomim. Hazeh represents Sovev Kolomim. And the idea is that they should be brought together in one mitzvah. And all of the mitzvahs represent this idea. We're going to discuss a little bit more at length now. What does that mean? 
What does that mean? That we're drawing down Sovav Kalamin into Mamalek Kalamin. And again, we're going to speak about a little bit of lofty subjects here, but we're going to just read through them and then continue so we can get the main point of the Mimer and then we're going to go back to it. So, The deepest spiritual meaning of the mitzvah, the first mitzvah that we got that the Torah should have started off with is that the aspect of God that's represented by Mamalo Kol Amin, which represents God as he relates to the world, the natural world, Chodesh, will have within it the representation of Sovav Kol Amin, because Zeh means this, that we can look at God and we can point at him with our finger and say, this is God. That is an infinite, very, very lofty level. That that level should be brought down into our lives and into our world. And that's really what all of the mitzvahs represent drawing down this lofty, infinite level of God into our day-to-day lives. And so the idea is, So based on what we understand, what Chodesh HaZelachem represents, we should have started off the Torah with this mitzvah. Why? Because the purpose of the Torah and the mitzvahs is this idea of uniting together Sovev and Mamale. We say it right before we start to pray. We say, L'shem yichud right? You guys familiar with that? It's a small little verse that we say right before the Baruch Shalmar. I don't know in the Ashkenazi Siddur if it's there or where it is. I don't think that it's there. It's a, it's a Hasidic thing. There's actually a lot of Hasidim who say this verse, L'shem yichud which means, Svardim say it. Um, and there are Hasidim who actually say it before every single mitzvah. Because what it's talking about, this verse is saying that we should that we should join together God and his Shekhinah. So of Kalamim and Mamalek Kalamim. Because that is the spiritual process of... That's very cool. That's the spiritual process of what is going on in, um, when we do a mitzvah. We say it once a day, Chabad Chassidim, but it's supposed to be, so, so to speak, almost a blessing on all of the all of the mitzvahs that we're going to do throughout the day because we're basically saying that we, we're uniting together the infinite and the physical and that's really what a mitzvah does. And so based on the fact that we know that Torah is not a history book, Torah is not there to recount to us that first there was this, this happened and then Abraham and then this and then this. Torah is there to teach us how to serve God with the mitzvahs and how to unite the infinite with the physical. We should have started off the Torah with a Chodesh HaZelachem. So this is teaching us now the deeper meaning of what we're saying when we say Torah Shadosh should have started off with a Chodesh Zilachem. Because that's what the Torah and the mitzvahs rep- are represented by, by a Chodesh Zilachem. So we finish off with that question. And now, in the second, um, in the second paragraph in Bet, what's going to be explained is what's actually going on when we're drawing down Sovav into Mamale. What's the spiritual process? What does that actually look like? What does that, what does that mean? So we, again, we've spoken about that in a teshuva context, but what does that mean in a mitzvah's context? When we do mitzvahs, what does that mean that we're drawing down sovav into mamale? So again, I'm going, this part is something we're going to elaborate on. Probably for, we're going to take a whole class to elaborate on this idea after we finish the mimer. It's an idea of tzimtzum harishon. Have you guys, has anyone heard of tzimtzum harishon? The first tzimtzum? Have you heard of the concept of tzimtzum? Have you heard that word tzimtzum? Okay. Tzimtzum means contraction. And the idea is that whenever we, talk, we look at Seder Ishtashla, whenever we look at the way, the order by which God created the world, there are every single time that we go from one level to the next, there is a tzimtzum. 
sometimes there are many, many, many tzimtzumim. Because in order to go from God as he is to the world as we know it, there needs to be a lot of contractions and concealments and, cons- and covering up. And so there's an idea that there was, cons- there was this big, massive tzimtzum that happened before Seder Ishtashlut began, before the world as we know it and even the spiritual world as we know it exists. And... And that process is called Tzimtzum Arishan. And so we're going to actually skip this, okay? We're going to speak about Tzimtzum Arishan afterwards. But what, just to get, give you the context of what's going on, the Rebbe is basically taking this concept of a Chodesh HaZelechem and explaining it in detail. What's actually going on when we draw down Sovav into Mamali? And the idea is that we are bringing back the light that was hidden in the first Tzimtzum. We're bringing it back into the world. And it's a very, very, very lofty light. So that we're going to elaborate on when we finish the Mimer, okay? So probably next week. So now let's go to Gimel. Yeah, you're making fingerprints. So let's put that on hold. And we're going to go to the last paragraph on page 7, right before Gimel, okay? So so we see based on this, based on what we said about what HaChodesh HaZelechem is, we see why the Torah seemingly should not have started with the story of creation. As it says, That's why we should only have started the Torah with the recounting of the first mitzvah, which represents, which represents what? Which represents drawing down infinite levels of God as they precede the world down into this world. The story of the creation of the world is the exact opposite of HaChodesh HaZelechem. Because HaChodesh HaZelechem represents drawing down infinity into this world, drawing down levels of God that existed before the world was created into the created world. What does the story of creation tell us? Where does it start off? Where does the story of creation start off? It starts off with the creation of the physical limited world. And so there are two opposite ideas. HaChodesh HaZelechem represents what Torah is about, elevating this world by drawing down levels of God that existed from before the world was created. But how does the Torah actually start off? With the limited story of creation. You get the question? So it makes it even stronger. Not only should the Torah have started off with a Chodesh Zelachem, it should not have started off with the story of creation. Because the story of creation begins with creation. It begins with God as he is so limited, right? As he has limited himself to the point that physical reality oh, yeah. can exist. So let's see that inside. So we see, the story of the creation of the world. All happened after this contraction. It all happened, and it's all speaking about God on a level that's been totally concealed and contracted. And since the whole point of the Torah, is drawing down God's infinite light, from before it was ever concealed and limited. We should have started off the Torah, not with the story of creation, but rather from the first mitzvah, which is the idea of drawing down God's infinity, which is drawing down God's infinite light as it is before and again, we'll discuss what that actually means in, in detail afterwards. But so far, we're still left with a question, and now we're going to start to answer it. The question is, why does the Torah start off with creation? We're going to start to, be, to read the first Parsha this week, and the Torah starts off by 
giving a detailed account of God, how, how God created light and how he created the sun and the moon and the stars. This is all a very, very limited version of God, so to speak. This is a limited reality that God created. And the whole point of Torah is to transcend that limited reality. Why are we starting off with the creation of the physical world? Why are we not starting off with the first mitzvah, which represents the beginning of the possibility to draw down God as he exists before the creation of the world into the world? Does the question make sense? Yeah? Yes? I know sometimes. Yeah. What's going on right now makes it very hard to concentrate. I do get that. Um, okay. Seven. Now we're in Gimel. We're going to start now by bringing the answer that was given to the question on a simple level and then elaborating what that means on a deeper level. So the, we brought a Gemara. The Gemara asks a simple question. Why does the Torah start off with HaChodesh HaZelachem? Practical question. We know that Torah is about mitzvahs. Then the practical answer that was given was God started off the entire Torah with the creation, the account of creation to show to show the power of his actions to the people. Every single human being on this planet, when they open up the Torah, they should know that God is the one who created the world. If you create something, it belongs to you. The entire world belongs to God. And therefore, God started off the Torah with the account of Bereshit, with the account of creation, so that when the nations come to us and they say, you stole the land of Israel from the people, which on a very, very technical basis, like if you just read the history and you read the prophets and the stories, what happened? Who first had the land of Israel? First, 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 first. The seven nations, the Canaanites as they were called. They were seven nations. And this started off, first everybody lived in the same place because everybody who lived was Noah and his children because the entire world was destroyed. And they all gathered in one area and they were living together and then God told them to spread out and they didn't want to because they all wanted to stay together. And then we had the whole story of the Tower of Babel and God literally spread the people throughout the entire world. And so the people who lived in Canaan were put there by God. God divided up the world and gave each after confusing everybody's language and making them individual nations, gave each individual nation a place. And the Canaanites were the ones who were given Israel. And then God said to the Jewish people, go and take that land from them, right? And so they have a very good claim. And we're going to be looking at this claim again from a spiritual level, but on a practical level as well as a spiritual level as we're going to see, they have a very fair point. You came and you took away this land, right? The claim that we have today, right, the whole controversy of the Palestinians versus the Jews, that's not even what we're talking about here because, because the Palestinians weren't here all the way from the beginning. The Canaanim, Canaanites are not the Palestinians. It's not It's a completely... Nation in itself. Like, right. It was just a name that was given because it suited the Roman Empire. Yes. So, 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 so that, exactly. So that, that claim that we're talking about right now, that's not what we're talking about because... Because we were definitely here first if you're, if you're looking at that. that. That's like not a question. However, the Canaanites, who are not the Palestinians, but the Canaanites were here first. Fact. Look at the Torah. They were here. So they come and they say, you took the land from us. You're thieves. And so we answer them, look at the Torah. The Torah starts off with Bereshit. God created the world. And he, just as he was able to give the land to you, he's able to take it away from you and give it to us. And he hasn't taken it away from us and given it to anybody else since. So it's our land. And so we're going to try and understand what does this answer that we're giving represent on a spiritual level? And why is it that Bereshit specifically represents 
what the whole Torah represents, okay? Gimel. Umatam pasach babereshis. So, what is the reason why it started off with Bereshis on a simple level? Mishum koch ma'asav higid la'mo. So that the power of his actions he can tell to the people. Latek lahem nachalat goem in order to be able to give them the portion of the nations. The hainu she'inyan dekoch ma'asav. So what does this mean? The power of God's actions. Latek lahem nachalat goem. To give us the nation's land. This idea represents a level that is even higher than Sovav Kalomen. Mitzvahs represent drawing down Sovav Kalomen, God as he is infinite and as he transcends the worlds, down into Mamale Kalomen, down into the world in the natural world as we know it. Koch Ma'asav Higid Lamo, Bereshit Bara Lokim, represents a level of God that transcends even Sovav. It's an even higher level, as we're going to explain. This represents a level of the Oren Sof before the Tzimtzum. Um, this is higher than the level of Oren Sof before the Tzimtzum. So the Medrash explains that the Torah did begin with the story of creation because the strength of his works of creation, he told his people to give them the inheritance of the nations. The fact that the Torah started with this shows us that getting the inheritance of the nations is even greater than the revelation of Sovev through HaChodesh HaZelachem. Through this, the Midrash is explaining that the ultimate purpose of Torah and mitzvahs is even greater than the revelation of Sov of Kol Amen. So there is the purpose of doing a mitzvah. When we do a mitzvah, we draw down God's infinity into our reality. But there's an even greater, all-encompassing purpose to the Torah, to the mitzvahs, and to the Jewish people. And that is actually a revelation of an even higher level than Sov of Kol Amen. And we were discussing this again before Rosh Hashanah, that Teshuvah, on a regular basis, is the same process of, of mitzvahs, is drawing down infinity into the limited world. But the ultimate teshuvah, and we, as we discussed on Yom Kippur, etc., God as he is, not God as he reveals himself and limits himself, is what's revealed. And the truth is that when the Torah and the mitzvahs and the Jewish people and Eretz Yisrael are all doing what they need to do and are working together in the way they need to, they are fulfilling the ultimate purpose of creation, which is not just to return light that was moved away back to its original place, but rather to create a brand new light, as we're going to see. The ultimate purpose, okay, not just the, one of the results of Torah and mitzvahs, which is drawing down infinity into, into this world, but the ultimate purpose of Torah and mitzvahs, is to draw down a new light. To draw down atzmut. What did we say atzmut is? Do you guys remember? It's like the essence of the essence of. You know. The essence. What do we say essence is? Does anyone remember what's essence? Like, like, what, what, what defines you? Like, what separates you from everyone else? Like, what is your essence? You, as you relate to yourself. Essence is something as it relates to itself, not as it reveals itself outwardly. And so when we say God himself, we speak about God's essence, not God as he lowers himself in order to be revealed and to be respected and to be, have a relationship with. God as he is, that's Atmos. And so the ultimate purpose of Torah and mitzvahs is that we should create a new light, a light that's never shone before, which is to have God as he relates to himself, God as he is, present in this world. Mahamshachat arzeh, and drawing down this new light, 
Hudafka al yadei avodat habirurim. Specifically happens in what we call avodat habirurim. Avodat habirurim means the service of birurim means refinement. Okay? So, have you guys heard of birurim before? Avodat habirurim? So Avodat Habirim, it just basically is a general concept of what represents every single time we take something physical and we transform it, we refine it. What does it mean refine it? We push away all of the klipa, we leave that behind and we extract from it the, we extract from it the gold, we extract from it the goodness, we extract the light, we extract God himself. So Avodat Habirim is the process through which we specifically face and live in the physical world and we reveal the truth of God in every single moment and in every single moment piece of our lives and that is the way that we reveal atmos that is the way that we reveal essence and that is we're going to be uh, we're going to understand is represented specifically by bereshit bara elokim god created the physical world so that we can take the physical reality push away the negative energy, you know, all of the negativity and reveal the truth of it that it's Hashem. That's called Avodat Abirurim. And that is a higher level even than doing a mitzvah. When we do a mitzvah, what are we doing? What are we doing when we do a mitzvah? What's actually, what is a mitzvah? Let's start off with that. It's connection. Connection, okay, so you've clearly learned chassidus. <laughs> because mitzvah, mitzvah on a, on a simple level means mitzvah. What does mitzvah mean? To command. A mitzvah is a commandment, okay? For those who haven't done chassidus, right? And also for those who have. At the end of the day, what makes something a mitzvah versus not a mitzvah? Did God command me to do this? And that's a very, very big difference, actually, between what we have versus what the avot, our forefathers, had. Our forefathers did mitzvahs, but God didn't command them to do it. And so they weren't actually affecting the change that we're affecting. The only mitzvah that Avram Avinu got was... Does anyone know what was the only mitzvah? Brismillah. Because it's the only time that God came to him and said, do this. Any other time they were doing that which was just natural for them, that which came to them. So a mitzvah comes from the word mitzvah, a commandment. However, if you learn Hasidus, you know, according to Kabbalah, the word mitzvah comes from the word tzavta. Tzadik vav vav taf alaf. Tzavta means connection. So we're connecting to God through his commandments. But that, that is the process of a mitzvah. God commanded us to do something. And when we do it, we connect to Him. And when we connect to Him, we draw down the Sovav into Mamale. We draw down the infinite levels of God into this natural world. What happens when we do Avodah Tabirurim? Yeah. It's a ramp. It's a ramp? Wow. It's beautiful. Now you can put this and make it go up the ramp. So what are we doing when we're doing Avodah Tabirurim? What's the difference between a mitzvah and Avodah Tabirurim? Avodah Tabirurim represents the idea that we find ourselves in the physical world and we utilize the physicality around us for the purpose of revealing God in this world. That's Avodah Tabirurim. And we can do that not only we're doing, we, we're, not, we're not doing mitzvah every single moment of our, of our day, right? Like that's just, there are some times when we're not actively doing a specific mitzvah. But Avodah Tabirurim we can do all the time. What is it? A kitty cat? It's so cute. <laughs> You're being so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys get the difference between avodat habirim and a mitzvah? Yeah. Avodat tab- Sure. So let's start with a mitzvah. A mitzvah, God commanded me to do something right now. I'm doing it and therefore I'm connecting to him. And therefore I'm drawing down sovav into mamale. Sovav is a light that was 
pushed away. It was too powerful, as we're going to explain in depth soon. It was too powerful to be able to exist while the physical world existed. It was, it was, if we would experience the truth of Surah of Quran right now, we would not be able to exist as separate entities. But what we're doing when we do a mitzvah is we're drawing down that Surah into the world in a way that it's able to be integrated, that it's able to be integrated into our life without us burning up <coughs> and losing our sense of self. That's a mitzvah. Avodah tabiruri means the service of refinement. That's the idea that a Jew finds himself in the physical world and every moment that he can, he utilizes the physical world around him to be able to extract the truth from that physical world, which is, the truth is that this is all God. So every single moment that we utilize the physical world for the purpose of revealing the truth of Hashem, we are doing avodah tabirim. And the idea is that every single time we do avodah tabirim, every single time a Jew finds himself in the physical world, does avodah tabirim, he is creating a new light. So this is a very interesting idea. It's going to be explained a little bit later, but let's talk about it a little bit. What does that mean that he's creating a new light? So first, when a Jew does a mitzvah, he's not creating a new light. He's drawing down a light that already exists into the world in a way that it could be integrated, right? Which is an incredible thing. It's a miracle. I mean, how are you supposed to integrate infinity and infinity? It's, it's the mitzvahs give us that power of connection to connect these two realities. When we do Avodah Taberurim, when we utilize the physical world around us to reveal the truth of God, we're creating a new light. I think we discussed this before. What does it mean, a new light? Do you remember what we discussed? What do we mean when we say a new light? I think we did discuss this. No? No? Similar to the new light that we have every year. So, yes and no. Yes, the idea of new light, but the new light that we have every year is a specific new energy for that year that comes in Rosh Hashanah and a new light means basically Atmos. Okay, so uh, when we say Atmos, Atmos is God as he relates to himself. Something as it relates to itself is not a light. What's a light? It's shining. Something as it's revealing itself onto others, right? And I think we did discuss this, that if you go up to the sun, what color will it be? Like Yellow? No. Will it be nice and shiny? No. What's the sun? If you go to the sun, it's black. Total. You go into a fire, right? Inside. You don't see like lovely blue and, and red. It's, it's just black. Because something as it's not revealed is black. It's not light, basically. What's the opposite of light? Darkness. It's dark. So God in his essence is black. He's not revealed. He's not shining and revealing himself. But that's the truth of who God is. So what does it mean when we say a new light? It means we're revealing an aspect of God that has never been revealed before. We're revealing an aspect of God that's only existed in essence, that's only existed until now in the way that God relates to himself. And we are taking that and we're revealing it. That's a new light. It's never been a light before. It's existed because God has always existed and God is everywhere. But we're taking that aspect of God that has never shone before and we're making it shine. And that's what happens when we do Avodah Tabirurim. That's what happens when we use the physical world around us. We draw down Atmos into this world. Not only do we draw it down, but we reveal it. Before, it just existed as its own truth. I am God, but it's never been revealed as that truth until we reveal it. And that is a way, way, way higher action that we're doing even than when we do mitzvahs. When we do mitzvahs, we're revealing a light that's 
existed as light before. It had to go through a whole process, Kabbalah explains. How, at some point, the light had to become a light. So it had to go from black light into white light. It had to turn from something that never shone into something that shone. And there's a whole process and symptom that happens even before the symptom in order to turn black light into white light, to turn something that's just relating to itself, God as he's just being God, to aspects and elements of God as it's shining outward and turning it into light. But then that light is so, so powerful. God had to remove that light and allow the world to be created without his light. When we do mitzvahs, we're bringing that light back. When we do Avodah Tabirim, we are creating a new light. We're bringing down an aspect of God that's never been revealed before. And the message of this moment, what the Rebbe is explaining here, is that Bereshit bara Elokim et ve'et starting off the Torah with creation, creation represents Avodah Tabirim. God created the physical world during this process of creation, and that is the ultimate purpose of the Torah and Mitzvah, even higher than the purpose of drawing down Sobhavim into Mamale. The ultimate purpose is that we should live as Jews and reveal the truth of God in this physical world that was created by God in the story of creation. So actually, creation and the story of creation represents the truth of the Torah even more than starting off with the first Mitzvah. So let's see that a little bit inside. And, um, and we'll continue with this idea tomorrow. And, the, and then we'll, we'll get to why I actually chose this moment because the Rebbe then goes back to this original question and this original claim that the nations have against us and he gives us practical advice in this mimer. Practical advice how we need to relate to these claims because these claims continue even today. Um, so we're going to get to that in a moment. So the Zeo, one second, we're on page eight. Yes, page eight, the second paragraph. This is the, the advantage that telling us the power of his actions has. The advantage that it has over This is the advantage that Avodah Taberurim has over drawing down Sovav into Mamale. And the first mitzvah and mitzvahs in general represent who hamshachat or hasovev. Drawing down the infinite light of God, that in its source, it's a level of light, which filled up the empty space. We'll discuss what that means soon. But through the avoda of birim, the inyane ha'olam shenaflu mi. One second, what does this represent? The inyane ha'olam shenaflu mi. Sorry, I don't know what this abbreviation means here. Mem, Zayn, Mem. I don't know, sorry. Malche Edom Shebertsona Natnalehem. God first gave the land to the kings of Edom. God gave the, the land of Israel to them. As it says, Bona Olamot for Machrivan. God builds worlds and he destroys them. Obene Yisrael, Mavarim, Vayarshim. And the Jewish people are the ones who end up refining and inheriting the land of Israel. Otam v'nasu nachalat Yaakov, and they made it the inheritance of Yaakov, of the Jewish people. Mamshichin b'chinat or chadash. When they do this, they draw down a new light. Shelemala mehaar shahaya mamale makam achalal. That's even higher than the light that we draw down when we do mitzvahs. Okay. So here, we're just going to finish off um, on page nine, I'm just going to finish off reading the English and then we're going to continue inside. Tomorrow, we're going to understand the claim that we give back 
What, what's, it's, we're going to explain what's the claim on a deeper level that the nations are saying to us. Listimatem. You stole the land. What does that mean on a spiritual level? What does that mean that we stole the land? And what is our response? That God created the world in order. God created the world and he took it from you and he gave it to us. Yes. <gasps> wow. That's a beautiful house. It's so pretty. I love it. Do you want to go get Kayleen to break it? Okay. You go, go tell if you want Kayleen to break it. That's Kayla's job in the house, to break Monsieur's. Um, we made it a game instead of a, a fight that Kayla comes and she breaks it and then she starts again. <laughs> okay, page nine. This can be understood by explaining the deeper significance of inheriting the land. Inheriting the land, which is represented by Bereshit Baralokim. The responsibility which Hashem gave to the Jewish people is to refine and therefore inherit the physical world as an inheritance is the passing of ownership from one person to another, taking it out of the realm of the nations, the concealment of godliness, which is expressed by the selfish use of the physical world, and transforming it into an inheritance of Yaakov, which reveals godliness. So what does it mean to inherit the land? It means to take the physical world and to utilize it for God instead of utilizing it for ourselves. So what does it mean that God first gave it to the nations? God first gave the world and he said to the nations, do what you want with it. Use it for your own selfish purposes. But then God took that away and he gave it to the, nation, to the Jewish people and he said, use this world and refine it. Don't use it just for yourself. Yes. You want Kayla to break it? So go get Kayla from the Okay, we're almost finished. On a deeper level, this is also connected to the Jews' refinement of the spiritual source of the physical world. The physical world, which is perceived as separate and independent from Hashem, was created from the world of Tohu, a spiritual world in which each of the different revelations of godliness was so strong that it was unable to tolerate any other type of revelation. Okay, we're not going to get into Tohu right now. Here, when a Jew uses the independent physical world for the service of Hashem, this enables the sparks of Tohu to express its complete bittle to Hashem. One second. Bringing it to its ultimate... She's sleeping, that's good. That's great. Bringing it to its ultimate purpose within creation. This reveals the essence of godliness, which is beyond the revelation of our Ein Sof before the Tzimtzumim. So basically, until now, when a Jew uses the land the way that God told him to use the land, not the way that the nations say to use the land, which is, I am... I have been given this physical world and I'm not going to use it for my own selfish purposes. And rather, I'm going to use it and utilize it for the purpose of God. When we do that, we are claiming the land as our inheritance. And when we do that, we draw down a level of God. One second, I'm speaking very holy. Lofty terms right now. It's so funny. Like levels of God. Yes, mommy, mommy. It's like the funny. Like what is happening? <laughs> You want to go get your backpack? So go get it. Okay, so let's just sum this up. <laughs> let's just sum this up. The end of the mimer is my favorite part. It's the reason why we're actually, why we're really learning it. The Reb is going to really, really explain to us the stance that we need to take on our ownership of the land of Eretz Yisrael. Um, and, um, but in order to get there, we also need to understand this, this real question. The reason why God started off the world, started off the Torah with the accounting of the creation of the world is so that we should know that God gave us this world for a purpose. Not for the reason why he gave it to the nations, which was to use it for their own selfish reasons, but rather to use it to reveal the truth of God. And when we do that, we are bringing forth the ultimate purpose of creation. Not just we're bringing back light that was 
taken away, right? But we're creating new light and revealing the truth of God in this world. So we're going to continue with this tomorrow. And it's it's quite a lofty idea. It's taking like a very, very basic Rashi. Basic Gemara. But yeah, we came back to the original thing that like um, the story of creation is about the establishment of the like of the power of Hashem, like of of the not only the like the existence of Hashem, but like the power and the greatness of the Creator. And not only the power, yeah, not only the power of the Creator, but the power that we have. Yeah. To create a new reality. That's what we're going to continue with tomorrow. And like you said, yeah. the land is like, is the actually the kind of like re-establishment of the greatness and yes. our like the relation like from our. Yeah. So I'm hoping tomorrow we can actually take this idea and bring it down a notch because this so far was pretty pretty high up. Um, we're going to bring it down another level and explain at length what does that mean that God first gave it to the nations and then he took it away from them and gave it to us. And what does it mean on a steeper level that they're claiming that we stole the land? What does that mean? Because they do have a claim there. So what is that claim? And then what is our response? So we're going to see that um, tomorrow. And then today is Tuesday. And then Thursday, please God, we're going to see the end of the Mimer, which where the Rebbe really, really gives us our, what our position should be on the land of Israel. And then, please God, next week. We will go back into this idea of symptom and symptomarition because it's a concept that comes up again and again in Hasidus. So we're going to try and really understand it with, um, like, actually understand it. But in order to do that, I think first we should get the picture of the mimer. Okay. So for now, we're still basically we have the question, we have the answer, a little bit, and we're going to continue with it um, with it tomorrow. I know we're learning very high stuff for like a time where. Where our minds are in a million places, um, but hopefully, hopefully we can come away with something from this. That's that really is the goal, and the truth is, we will. We definitely will. It just will take a little bit more time than forty-five minutes, and hopefully, we'll see. We'll have school tomorrow, right? Yeah, that sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> yes.